Hey there, I'm Adam Demetrician, the lead pastor at Pathways Church in Appleton, Wisconsin. And this is our podcast. I hope this message inspires you, feeds your faith, and ultimately leads you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Well, if you have a Bible, why don't you take those and turn with me, your mobile device, and let's go to Philippians, Philippians chapter two. This is where we read the words of the Apostle Paul. Many believe, many scholars believe that this chunk of scripture from verses five through 11 was actually a hymn that the early church would sing. So it was sung as we just uh, sang uh, worship songs. This was what scripture was uh, being done in the first century as many scholars distinguish this verse. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul. It says this about Jesus. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus Christ was on a collision course with the cross. After all, that was his purpose. That was his mission. That was his destiny. He said it so himself. Listen to the words of Luke 19.10. Jesus says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Now, from these uh, words found in verse 10, we can draw, we can gather three truths that I just want to briefly walk you through. First is this. Jesus came for you. Amen? Jesus came for you. He was seeking. He was on a mission to find you. The person sitting in your seat, the person in your home, he was coming, looking, and searching for you. The second truth that we can draw out of Luke 19.10 is simply this. You were lost in your sin. You were lost in your sin. No matter how good you looked on the outside, on the inside, you were lost and you were hurting and you were broken and you you did not know the grace of God. And so Jesus came. He came for you and he came for you even when you were in your sin. In fact, he loved you so much, his demonstration of his love for you is found in Romans 5, 8, where we read these words, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And can I just um, remind you how gory and gruesome, the excruciating pain, the agony of the cross. Many of you have been seeing posts on social media today And all those posts, they really try to capture what it was like for Jesus to suffer for you and for me. The cross wasn't something pretty. It wasn't something attractive. It wasn't something, it was meant for criminals to be posted at intersections of major roadways in Rome so that all of the onlookers would say, don't mess with Rome or we'll stick you on the stake. The crown of thorns, beating, bruising, the nails. He died a criminal's death, and yet he reigned as king. Listen to the words of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 53, 5, he says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We're healed, friends, because the wounds and the bruises 
of our Lord and Savior on the cross. The cross is where the king says, your sin meets my grace. It's where your sin meets the king's grace on the cross. But in order, in order to save you, that cross had to cost God. The third truth that I want to call to your attention as a reminder so that we can renew our allegiance to the suffering and to the cross of Christ on this Good Friday is simply this. The cross cost God his son, his one and only son. Some weeks ago in the beginning of March, I started and launched a brand new series called Giant Faith. Many of you, you took some incredible leaps in your faith and your love for God. It was a delight to watch you grow. And you were using, remember that assessment card we'd pull out every week? It was uh, green and you kind of wave it at each other. In week number one, there was a book. There's a book called The, the Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. In fact, I referenced it. It wasn't actually on the card. And as soon as I got done with first service, long time carrying it named Mark, he had texted me and he said, hey, Pastor Adam, I already ordered the book. It's gonna be here tomorrow. I can't wait to dive in and start reading. And I thought to myself, it's gonna be a, that's a heavy book. I'm thinking, good luck. So I followed up a couple days later and he said, man, I'm off to a fast start, but that is deep. Like that faith, that book of Man, that Dietrich Bonhoeffer guy, that guy is, whoa. Now, if you don't know Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German Lutheran pastor during Nazi Germany. He pastored during a horrific time in our history. And, and here's what he writes about the cost of grace, how it costs God. He wrote these words. He says, cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. He didn't mince words, did he? He was direct and straight to the point. And I guess he had to be, because of all the death and the torture and the destruction that he was seeing with his own eyes. He had to call sin, sin. He had to call truth, truth. He had to call grace, grace. And one thing that Dietrich knew was that grace was not cheap. Grace cost something. It cost something. It cost God everything, his son, Jesus Christ. But what about you and me? What about Jesus? What about our faith? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he died just shortly before the war was over. Like a couple weeks, he was 39 years old. We, we lost a human being of giant faith and yet he leaves his work behind in a way that inspires us to consider the grace of God to consider the, the grace upon grace, the grace that is poured out generation to generation, this grace that is available to all, but it is not cheap. It is not cheap. What about the criminals that hung on the cross next to Jesus? What did faith look like for them? 
What was the meaning of grace in those moments? Let me read for you the, the account of the crucifixion according to the Gospel of Luke. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on the way, on his way in from the country. And he put the cross on him and he made him carry it behind Jesus. Imagine that in your mind. Simon is carrying the cross as Jesus, as Jesus is bruised and battered and he's marching toward Golgotha. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and waited for him. And Jesus turned and he said to them, he said, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when, when you will say, blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, fall on us. And to the hills, cover us. For if people do not, they do not these things. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Now listen to this. This is a very familiar part to us in the story. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. And when they came to the place called the skull, they crucified Jesus there, along with the criminals. One on his right and one on his left. And Jesus, in so much pain and agony, he cries out, Father, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they are doing. They, are, they have absolutely no idea. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And the people stood watching. The rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. Let him save himself. Let him come down from that cross. Yeah, he came in Sunday with people shouting Hosanna, with the palms lining the streets of Jerusalem, with everybody cheering. But now look at him, crushed by Rome, a mere peon, puny and weak, deformed, He's going to hang and he's going to die. Perhaps the crowds overheard his prayer from the cross. Father, forgive them. I wonder what the tone was like. I wonder how loud it was. I wonder how far you would have to stand in order to hear his cry. Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. See, that prayer, my friends, that prayer had power because there is forgiveness in Jesus' heart for all who would receive him. And, and, and I wonder how his prayer, do you know who I'm most curious about? I wonder how his prayer registered for the two thieves on the crosses next to Jesus. Jesus. 